Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome, Tom, and all of the participants here for the Fireside Chat. We're delighted to have you here today. Let's get started. We have a lot of questions about the experiments coming. As you know, by the time you see this, California would have come and gone, and we'll have some videos up for you, giving you the latest updates on the experiments. The team leader will be introduced and all of that. But in the meantime, Tom will have a couple of things to say on how the experiments are going, okay. the big question of the day. Okay. Well, they are still going. Um, we will be um, producing in just another couple of days, probably, uh, something on YouTube that will uh, explain in detail what's going on. But um, this video probably won't be, <laughs> won't be um, edited until after that time. So in case you don't see that and you just see this video, uh, the experiments have been taking more time than I expected. Uh, the contract with the university doing the experiments, which is Cal Polytech in uh, uh, Southern California, took a lot longer than I expected. Um, until that contract was in place, the management at Cal Poly was telling the people they're doing the work to being run by uh, Professor uh, Farbad, and he was told not to work on it till the contract was done. So he's been only working on it slowly in his own time. Uh, I think that's turned around now as of a couple of weeks ago, and hopefully we are we are going to get all of the proper equipment ordered and in-house soon and probably the next, I don't know, maybe the next month or so. I'm expecting that's done. We're looking at, at equipment now. As it turns out, some of the equipment we need is going to be very expensive, and we want to make sure that we um, get the right stuff that will do what we want it to do. We have uh, individual pieces of equipment costing as much as 50000 to to $100,000 just for a single piece of equipment. So we're not sure what we need yet, but we're still working on that. So we're in the early stages of putting the experiment together, putting it up on the up on the the, uh, the bench and getting it to work. As soon as I have information about the results of the experiments, they will go up on the CUSAC site, they will go up on YouTube, and they will probably be sent around in an email to all the uh, um, people who donated, you know, to the crowdfunding, to the Kickstarter. So they will come out. So if you don't hear from me, that's because I don't really have anything new to tell you other than we're still working on it. We're trying to get the right equipment for the best cost, and that takes time. We're hoping to find some piece of equipment that we can pick up used. Somebody else paid that much money for it, and uh, now they've done with their experiment, and they'd like to resell. So that will just take a little time to work through all those, those details. I'd also like to uh, remind you that uh, Farbad, who is working on this, is also a full-time professor. He has other things to do besides just working on this experiment. So it will be done as he has the time uh, to, to work on it. So it's not going to be a quick process, but we will get it done. Farbad and his team are perfectly capable of doing this experiment and doing it well. We do have the funds to buy the things we need, and it will eventually get done. It's just not a quick process. 
quantum mechanics experiments are not something you just throw together, you know, in your in your basement or in your garage with, uh, uh, you know, materials from around the house. It's it's not conceptually. It's a very simple experiment. All of them conceptually are very simple experiments, but to actually do them in the lab isn't quite so simple, and it's not nearly as inexpensive as I had originally thought. So it's a little it's a little more difficult than I thought because of the equipment and the equipment costs. But anyway, we're working on it, and we'll get there. Have patience. So thank you, dear audience, for your patience. Keyword is patience there. And if you check out QSAC.org, that's C-U-S-A-C, you will be, maybe you'll be the first to know. Just keep an eye on it, keep vigilant, and you'll have the first information. We're going to start off today with a question, uh, actually two questions from Fola. Please go ahead. Yeah, hello everybody and hello Major Tom. Um, I have two questions of my 100,000 questions <laughs> collected for today. And um, yeah, I just start to read it and maybe while I um, finish it, I'll figure out something more that I need to know. But so hello Tom. Why is it so important to grow towards love on the being level? As I understood, everything is just a metaphor, and we as consciousness will never experience the full picture. And if the larger consciousness system is lowering its entropy, it will increase it at the end, at the point of the lowest entropy. Didn't it? By trying to understand the evolving process towards love through thousands of lives, with no knowledge or information that goes from one life to another, it feels like doing a lot of work for the for the individuated unit of consciousness or the larger consciousness system to evolve, but not for the one who hardly tries to understand. Like a cup filled with love, you are giving to the next avatar that has nearly no connection to the avatar that the IUOC used the previous life. So why should I, as an ego-based character, even care if this is just all about the larger consciousness system, like being a slave of a much bigger entity? Okay. Well, it's not just about the larger consciousness system. It's also about yourself. Um, your consciousness is not a metaphor. Your consciousness is a, is a real thing. It's a chunk of consciousness. Consciousness is what's real. Everything else is, is, a, is a virtual reality. But consciousness is the fundamental thing that exists. And you are a piece of that consciousness. So two things happen as you make good choices, as you care, and you evolve the quality of your consciousness, is that you change, you, the IUOC, you grow up. And why is that important? Because as you grow up and lower your entropy, your life gets to be a whole lot better. You get to move from being part of the problem to part of the solution. You find happiness. You find joy. You find peace. Uh, life gets to be good. You're very helpful to other people. Your relationships are good. So that should be 
enough reason to want to, you know, lower your entropy because it makes your life so much fun and so rewarding to yourself and to other people. And as you grow up, the system then grows up too. So these are, these are two things. Now you as an IUC are a part of the system. That's true, but you're a, you're a, a subset, a piece that has its own history, its own free will, and Though you are, I say, though you are a, a part of that larger system, you're still an individual. You're both. Just like my, my arm here is a part of this larger system of my body, but it's still an individual thing. It still can do its own things in its own way. It's not just a slave to the body. It's a necessary part to the body. Well, that's the same as you are. You're not just a slave to the body. You're a necessary part of the body. And you grow up individually, and your individuality maintains itself. It goes on and on. That IUOC of yours continues. It's, it's um, you know, it never dies. It never goes away. It's always there, growing, becoming. It's not like... After a while, you uh, lower your entropy to where you just disappear, and you're no longer a, 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 an individuated unit of consciousness. You'll always be an individuated unit of consciousness, and your life will always be more productive and happier as you grow up. So, us, I, you know, us as IUOCs and the larger conscious system work as a team. We work together. We both evolve together. Or we will de-evolve together. So that's why it's important for you. It's not just about the LCS. It's also about you and the quality of your life. So that's, you know, I'm not sure what else you'd like to be other than a piece of this consciousness, but that's the best, <laughs> that's the best game in town. You know, that we're a, 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 an independent unit of this larger consciousness system. So we are important. What we do is important. Whether we evolve or not is important. It's important to ourselves. It's important to all the people we interact with. And it's important to the system. It's important to all the people we interact with because as we grow up, it makes it easier for them to grow up. And as they grow up, it makes it easier for us to grow up. So again, all the other IUCs we're interacting with, we're all part of a, a larger dance as well. And what one does affects the others. So it's an all big interactive stew, if you will, of different parts, and they all have to grow up together. They all have to evolve together. And if any part of it doesn't evolve well, well, then the whole thing doesn't evolve well. So don't think of yourself as just some unnecessary part being drug along by the system. You know, that's not really the way it is. No more than my arm is just some unnecessary part being drug along by the by the larger body. No, it's an integral part of the body. It's it's important to what the body does, and you know it has its own functions, and it needs to learn how to do those well. Now that's not a great metaphor, but it's it at least shows the the belongingness and the connectedness. We're different in, than the arm because we're conscious. So the arm doesn't have free will, but we as IUOCs do. Separate free will. Apart from the larger consciousness system.
So that's why it's important. That's why we're important. That's why everybody else around us is important. They're all important to us, and we're important to all of them. Go ahead with your next one. I have a second part to that question because um, it's hard to, to, to explain it in, in, in English, but I try. Who, who knows, um, or how should I know that maybe um, in, in another simulation there's another Tom who's telling me um, go towards hate or fear and uh, um, the, the system will evolve um, to the highest entropy and this is and the feeling of um, um, feeling fearful is a good thing so how should I know that that to love is, is the, the best thing thing maybe there are entities who just need to fear and to, to feel fearful and in these days my my entropy uh, rise a little bit higher than the, the last weeks I don't know why uh, actually it's going down again that I, I somehow sometimes I like both feelings. I like the to be the feared, um, depressive guy, and uh, on the other hand, I, I love to be the um, loving, low entropy guy. But I'm not sure um, which direction is really the 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 the, the right one. So um, maybe it's just. These are all metaphors. Uh, so did you catch my question? I, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Um, well, it, the, I, yeah, the way you define what, whether the path you're on is a good path or not, or is the right path, is how well it works for you. What you're learning, what's the, what's the value of it? If you find that by lowering your entropy, your life gets better, um, your relationships get better. You feel more whole, and and in general, life is is a better thing. Then that's the way you should move. That's how you define for yourself what's better. Now I can look at the system and I can say, well, the whole system's based on lowering entropy, and that if a system doesn't lower its entropy, the entropy will eventually go up because it can't stay in between all the time. And if that happens, the system dies. Everything dies. LCS goes away because now all the bits are random. So we can look at the big picture and say that obviously lowering entropy is the right path because otherwise destruction and nihilism follows if you don't do that. But then in the individual picture, just you, just looking at what your life's like, I think you should be able to look at, you know, spend some time, spend six months or a year lowering that entropy and lowering that entropy, maybe two or three years, and see where that takes you. Where does that take you? What's your life like when you do that? Where does it go? Or if you want to test it against the opposite, then let that go. Be high entropy for a year or two or three years and see where that takes you. See where that drops you out. See the, you know, the joy and the, and the happiness. You know, where does the happiness lie? Where is the... Where's the joy? Where do you feel progress? Where do you feel good about yourself? And where do you feel bad about yourself? And I think it would be pretty obvious to you if you do that, that as you lower entropy, as you grow up and get rid of fear, you will feel a whole lot better about yourself, about who you are, about what you're doing. 
your relationships will work better. Everything will tend to work better. Whereas if you pursue the fear side, everything will begin to fall in on itself. Everything will begin to, to kind of spiral down to the point that you end up at the bottom of the barrel and, and uh, you know, miserable, unhappy, that sort of thing. You just, you know, it's just a miserable place to be. So I think your own experience should clearly be able to tell you which way's up, whether the low entropy is, you know, is the right way to go or high entropy. Just experiment with it if you're confused between those two. Now, looking at the big picture, it's obvious. Low entropy is the way to go. Otherwise, everything stops. There is no consciousness. There is no free will. There is no, uh, you know, the, all the fundamental stuff goes away. So, but personally, just see, you've probably been both places. You've probably been places where things were working well and entropy was low and you felt uh, good about things. And you've probably been in that place where everything is awful and horrible and there doesn't seem to be any point in going on because everything is just miserable and pain. Well, that's the difference between a low entropy life and a high entropy life. But it, you can't find that out by trying to lower your entropy for three weeks and seeing how great you feel. You may have to work on that for for years to see how great you feel. Lowering entropy is a slow process. That's why we've been evolving now for 200,000 years, and we're just kind of stepping up out of the muck now a little bit as a species. It's a slow process. So don't say, well, I've been working on low entropy for, you know, for a whole month and I don't notice a big difference. Well, a whole month is hardly enough time to lower much entropy. It, you can think about it and intellectually you may be um, putting effort into it, but you really have to change at the being level. And that is just a slow process. So if you don't have clear results yet that tell you that low entropy is better, then just keep working on it. Keep putting effort into it. The bigger picture will tell you that is the right path. And let's, you know, destruction and, and uh, you know, nihilism is, is the, you know, is the better route, which makes no sense. That's illogical. Then, you know, we know low entropy is the best, the best path from that viewpoint. But at an individual viewpoint, it may take some years to convince yourself of that. Okay. Um, the second question. Um, there are not many concrete description of what will happen after the avatar dies. I remember in a book of Carlos Castaneda, Don Juan answering the question of Carlos regarding death, that he is not able to talk about the transformation in general, but he can talk about the concrete death of Carlos Castaneda himself. But I still have the question in general, if there is a general answer. So the free will awareness unit using the avatar going back to the source, the IUOC inside the larger consciousness system, and the free will awareness unit is coming back using the next avatar. What exactly is going to happen during that process? I remember that you, you have some videos where you explain um, it's in, it in general, but not in detail. If not in general, let's talk about my physical death, maybe. What, how, how would you explain how would the transformation exactly happen or could happen? Or is it 
is it not possible to explain it because no. everyone is individual? Well, everyone is individual, but you can explain it in general. Um, the experience you will have when you die, let's just say the experience you have in a transition reality, depends on what you need to make the transition. It's custom fit to each person as far as what their needs are to help them get ready uh, to go on growing. And that just depends on the individual. Often it's very quick. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of processing to do in between. There's a lot of things to think about, a lot of questions to ask. So it depends on the individual um, exactly what happens. But in general, what happens is when you when your body, when your avatar stops functioning, dies, your consciousness continues on. You become aware that you are still, still there, but you're no longer in the physical reality anymore. That's immediately after death. You're just kind of aware, and where am I? You know, what's going on sort of a state. As that progresses now over the next little bit of time, two things are going on right after starting, right after you die. One is you begin to uh, let go of the previous life experience, which means it tends to fade from your memory like a dream. Okay, so that's one thing. Your connection to the physical life you just had starts to get thinner and thinner with time. The second thing that happens right at death is that 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 um, separation between the free will awareness unit and the individuated, individuated unit of consciousness starts to disappear. Okay, so those that the free will awareness unit was just a, a subset of the individuated unit of consciousness. I say that a petition, you know, was put in the IUOC. A petition was created that partitioned off a little piece of itself called a free will awareness unit. As soon as your avatar dies, that petition is taken down, and you just become just the IUOC. The free will awareness unit goes away, disappears, is no longer, because all it is is, the, is an IUOC uh, subset, and it's no longer a subset. That subset reintegrates with the IUOC. So those are the two things that start happening immediately as you die. So now you go, you become aware, and you end up in this transition reality. In the transition reality, you will work through any issues you had. You will think about what it is you want to do next. You always have free will. You can say, I don't want to do anything next. That's all right. You know, you're never forced to do any then go anywhere or be a part of anything you don't want to. And you have all the time that you need to talk about it, all the time that you want to think, to talk, to discuss it, to decide what you want to do. Okay, now you now are the IUOC, the Individuated Unit of Consciousness. You're not the Free Will Awareness Unit anymore. That's just slowly one, you know, that partition's taken, taken away. All right, now you start thinking about what do I want to do next? And how am I going to do that? What sort of situation do I need? Or do I just need to sit out for a while? Or do I need to go to some other reality frame? Or whatever. You can find out what your options are. Then you start to plan 
that next experience packet. And you come up with some idea of what you want to do and how you want to go about it. The system helps you uh, find the right situation, and then your individuated unit of conscious puts down another partition, partitions off a piece of itself that is doesn't contain memory but just contains its quality, and that free that new free will awareness unit logs on to the next avatar. That'll be the next chapter in your you know large book of chapters of various uh, experience packets or lifetimes, if you like. So that's basically how it works. Now that 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 time that you spend in the transition just depends on how much time you need there and and what you want to accomplish while you're there. Could be very quick, could take more time, could do a life review, may not need a life review. That's up to you. May go some other reality frame, may not. But eventually, you're highly likely to want to get back in the game. Otherwise, you're just sitting there not doing anything useful. And you become aware of that fact that you're just wasting your time. That what you really want to do is get back in the game of interaction and growth. Because we all carry along a little flame somewhere inside of us to grow, to become more, be better than we were before. We have this this concept or this idea, this feeling of wanting to of wanting to grow. Not just sit on a, you know, not just be a bump on a log. So that's typically what happens. That's kind of the death process. So then you log on to a new IUOC, you spend the time that that IUOC lives making its choices, it dies and the process starts over. You end up in a, you know, in, a, in another reality frame. You begin to lose your memory of the past experience. Uh, the partition comes down. Your free will awareness unit reunites with the uh, individual unit of consciousness. Then you go through the process of figuring out, uh, you know, what you want to do next, and so on. That goes. That's what we do. Um, as we lower our entropy through this process, our life generally gets more and more pleasant and more and more, uh, what, fun. We get more enthusiastic. We have a lot of joy in our life. We think this process is wonderful, and we look forward to seeing how much we can be part of the solution. How can we help other people? And it starts to become a very positive, fun, uh, interesting, challenging process that we meet, you know, very positively. When you're not very grown up, it's mostly struggle. Struggle, 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 because your own choices put you in situations that make you feel bad. So that's kind of the, you know, the nutshell. In general, that's how it works. Um, but what would happen if, for example, a nuclear bomb would destroy the whole human race, where would all the entities go? Would they um, appear in in um, parallel PMRs, or where would they go? Well, the system would have several ways that it could deal with that. If suddenly there was a huge loss of life all at the same time, then transition reality would be busy for a while, and there may not be seats to put them in immediately. The system could always do 
several things. One, it could place them in other reality frames. Or, it could just restart this reality frame back, let's say, five years prior to when the nuclear war killed everything that was living and hope that the people made better choices in the next five years than they did the last time. And they may re recede it with many of the same characters. The system, it's a digital system. It's a simulation. So lots of things like that could be done. You can go back to a checkpoint restart and uh, then let everybody go back into who they were, you know, previously and start over. Now we get to make new choices. You know, it's hard to say. It's got other things that it could do. It could take the, uh, the simulation of our reality frame, what we call our physical universe, and just make another copy. Then populate that copy. You see, once you're, once you're digital doing a simulation, there's lots of things you can, you can do to, um, recover from a, from a disaster. Or it might not. It might say, well, that whole thing just didn't work out very well. You know, we'll just move everybody over to some other, uh, uh, reality frame and let them work in those reality frames because they have a lot of empty seats and a lot of room to grow and it would just take a while maybe before everybody would get back in the game because you'd have to wait for, you know, people in that other simulation to have babies and create new avatars. So it may just take a while before people got back in the game again. But the system would do whatever it saw as the most optimal solution to that problem and things would go on. Okay. Thank you, Tom, so much. And thank you, Donna, for letting me ask him. You're welcome. You're welcome, Paul. Thank you so much. Um, Ingo, please go ahead with your question. Yes, okay. I will read it. Um, first, uh, I want to say thank you for the recordings uh, from your last workshop, also for the uploading and editing and also for the questions. It's actually my favorite workshop on your channel and I like it very much. And my first question is um, about remote viewing. In um, the last uh, eight weeks I practiced uh, remote viewing and other database uh, queries every day. And I noticed a phenomenon um, that I partly get the first information back, although I have not finished my mental uh, query sentence. It's sometimes so that I start my mental request, like, dear LCS, can you please show me what is on? And I haven't finished uh, this sentence and already get the first information back. And I was wondering um, if this mental formulation of a request um, is not necessary is at all because I'm interested in a more efficient um, yeah, query process. No, that's that uh, process such as the way you're doing it is not necessary in Go. Um, your mind, your your intention has already been set. When you get when you get ready to start your sentence about uh, you know 
dear LCS, I'd like to ask a question. In your mind, in your thinking process, what your question is is already there. And as soon as you think it, it's a query, and you get the answer back immediately. All the formal putting it into language isn't necessary. All you have to do in your mind is have it clearly in your mind what you want. It has to be clear. Now, when we put things into sentences, often that helps us clear up what it is we, we're thinking. You know, sometimes if we don't put it into sentences, our thoughts are a little jumbled and we don't notice it. And, you know, that's why writing is always a good way to clear your mind is because writing forces you to clarity. But if you can get to that clarity without the writing, without putting it into, into language, that's good enough. You just have to have in your own mind a clear idea of what you want, and it's the query. As soon as you intend it, it's gone. And you'll start getting the answer back so fast that it'll seem instantaneous. Matter of fact, you'll, you may feel, many people feel they're still not finished asking it before the answer comes back. It's, it's that quick. Mindspace is very fast. So just get it clear in your mind. Say, all right, this is what I want. Open up for it. There it is. More efficiency is better. Okay, um, that will speed up the process, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, my second question um, is also about um, these exercises. Um, I do them mostly in the evening, in the last weeks. And I maybe had a kind of OBE or lucid dreaming um, during um, my practice. Um, and it happened um, true during uh, remote viewing ex exercises. Um, I was tired and I feel my focus drifting away. I shift my focus back on the exercise. This went back and forth for a while. And um, suddenly I was uh, somewhere else. And I was very surprised because a few seconds ago I was sitting on my carpet, uh, on my carpet, um, and I saw a man in a suit uh, looking like Inspector Colombo standing in front of me, and he turned his head to me and we looked at each other, and I was very surprised. And then it was over, and I was sitting on my carpet again. Uh, this was uh, very similar to a daydream, um, but visual more intense, I would say. And a few days later, uh, it was basically the same situation. Um, on that day, I was a little worried about an insurance matter. And late in the evening, I do my exercises and notice my focus drifting away uh, again. And then uh, suddenly, I stood in front of a complete white background and there were large maybe 30 feet high dark blocks similar to building elements of a large building um, and they look a bit intimidating to me and then I had uh, a thought that I could shrink these elements and then they really sh shrunk immediately um, from 30 feet maybe to an inch in front of my feet And I was also um, really surprised, and I was wondering um, if this elements shrink or did I grow? 
And then I thought, oh no, Uncle Tom always said you should interact with these things. And I made it so small that I can't interact with it anymore. And then it was over. Um, my question is, does it count as interacting when you shrink things? Um, and can I use these things as an address um, to go back there again? And could these block blocks um, there, um, could it be like a metaphor that symbolized the worries that I had that day? Okay. Well, what's going on is that you are, you know, you are, you are letting go, and in the process of letting go, you're bouncing around a little bit in your in your intellect. So you step back to focus, and then you get a little tired, so you drift off, and you're aware of that tiredness. You're intellectually aware of that tiredness, and then you your focus comes back and forth, and in the other case. Uh, you had a matter about insurance that you were thinking about, and your intellect was dealing with that, coming back. And then suddenly you let go. You just let go of, the, of this reality frame. You got a different data stream, and that data stream, in the first case, um, the man in the suit. Okay, You saw that, and it was perfectly clear, you know, like you say, visually intense. Oftentimes, people describe it as even more, more real, more visually intense than is our usual physical reality. You know, it's it's uh, uh, exceptionally detailed and bright and vibrant and there. And then you started to question it. Your intellect jumped in, and you started asking, "Well, who is that, and why are they here?" And why am I seeing then? And as soon as your intellect got back into it, zip, it was gone. So that was the end of it. So what you're doing is you and your intellect are having a little bit of a struggle uh, letting go of each other. So you're bouncing back and forth between intellect and letting go, and then suddenly you let go. And as soon as something happens, your intellect begins to assess it and judge it and analyze it and then it doesn't last very long. It goes away because now you've dropped from an intuitive space back into an intellectual space that doesn't really support the process. So that's kind of what's going on. But to ask your your questions, you know, does shrinking something count with interact count as interacting with it? Yes, it does, but it's not a particularly productive interaction unless you continue to play with it. If you shrunk it and said, oh, well, can I make it big again? And can I make it bigger than 30 feet? And just playing with that would be valuable in some sense. But when I talk about interacting with things, I mean interacting with them with your intuitive side, not with your intellectual side. So though that could have been helpful, because you can think at the being level, so you could make things bigger or smaller at the being level, thinking without analyzing and without judging, just doing it. If you did that, it wouldn't disappear because you'd still be at your being level and you could make it grow or come back and that may be an exercise to keep you at the being level. But when I generally say interacting, I mean um, trying to find some significance in it or why it's there. Uh, what is this building element? Is this a building? 
back away from it and see if you can see it in more perspective. Is there more to it that you just can't see because you're so close? And if you don't have anything more than, well, it just seems to be some structure, then dive into it. Become it. Go through it. See what's on the other side of it. Uh, that sort of thing. But try to keep your intellect out of it. Just experience. You see, you're at the intuitive level, you're just experiencing. And when the man first popped up and when this, these building elements just popped up, at first you were just experiencing them. And then you started to analyze them. And it's the analyzing is then what, what shut it off. So when I say interact with them, interact with them in an experiential way. Experience with them. And that can be making them bigger and smaller or backing away from them or getting closer. That's fine, but don't intellectually assess them. Now, that's hard to do. It's hard not to intellectually assess them because that's what we do in this life. That's our habit. That's how we run our life is we, we run into things and we immediately assess them intellectually. So it's breaking that habit that is the hard part. But it looks like you're doing very well, Ingo. Those, those look like, you know, you're, you're doing well. You just need to make it go longer and longer before that intellect gets in there and, and starts to, you know, do analysis on what's going on, why is it going on, and, you know, what does this mean, and how am I supposed to interpret it, and who is that man anyway, and what is he here for, and, you know, you get into all of that, that ruins it. You need to just experience it, experience the man, you know. Connect with him. Give him a hug. Uh, ask him a question. Experience it. Don't analyze it. You can interact with it. You have a mind in the in the uh, intuitive space. You can ask that man a question. Well, you know, who are you and why are you here? Do I know you? Um, you know, do you have, you know, have a question for that man? Or does he have an answer for you? Or, you know, whatever. See if you can't experience but don't analyze the experience just have the experience so that's the that's the key thing um same with the blocks you can look at them and say oh blocks what am i going to do with these well i don't know maybe there's something on the other side so just dive through them and come out the other side and see what's there or you might say uh oh why are they here do they have a particular significance for me now that's experiencing them not analyzing them you can ask that question. But if you go into much detail of that, well, why blocks and why like that and why that color? Now you're back in your intellect. You're not just experiencing. You're trying to analyze. So, yes, that is basically going out of body. When you saw that man and when you saw those blocks, you're out of body. You're no longer in your this reality. You're in another reality. And... Your reality is not particularly interesting in the sense it's just a man in a suit or a building, building elements. So it's not necessarily a, a fun, interesting reality, but you can make it fun and interesting if then you continue to stay in the intuitive mode. It'll change. It'll change completely. And just experience whatever there is to experience. Watch it and say, gee, I'm just... You know, like if you were, you know, when you go to a, when you go to a new city or a place you've never been before, the first thing you do is just experience. You just look at it. 
You're not really thinking about it. I wonder why they built that building. I wonder what sort of people work in there. You don't do that. You just look at it and say, wow, never seen a building like that before. That's just experience. So keep it at the experiential level, and it won't be such a short out of body. One thing will happen, which will trigger to something else, which will trigger to something else. It may not have been about the man or the building at all. That was just an entry point. More stuff will go. But you have to be interactive. You can't sit back and say, oh, okay, I'm out of body now. Okay, show me something interesting. You know, sit back like you're in a movie waiting for the system to provide you with an experience. You have to interact with it. You have to dive through it. You have to explore it. You have to somehow climb on top of it, see if you get a better view. Um, you know, I don't know. You'd be creative with how you interact with it. Uh, but just experience. You might ask the man, oh, that's a really nice suit. Where did you get a nice suit like that? You know. <laughs> well, looks like you have a partner there. Yeah. So I think that's about as much as I can tell you about that. It's just, uh, it's really good. You know, those are good out of bodies. You just now need to expand them without getting your intellect caught in it so quickly. Okay, I will try that. Um, it's hard for me not to analyze, um, but I see what I can do. Yes, it is hard because that's a habit. You just do it automatically without thinking. That's what makes it hard to not do it. But just experience. Don't try to understand it so much as just experience it. 